people with tenure have plans. They know their end game. And we all know that there's the ups and the downs and the twists and the turns. But if you know your end game, you won't deviate. Welcome to Building Doors. In this series, you'll develop the skills to build a roadmap for success, get inspired by those leaders who have come before you, and give you the confidence to stop waiting and start building. Welcome to the Building Doors podcast, Jen. Thank you for being with us. Yeah, it's wonderful to be here. (laughs) I'm going to tell the audiences a little bit about you and your amazing history. So Jennifer is the current State General Manager with Essence Project Management and has 20 years experience in property and construction. Her experience has crossed industry, states and countries, delivering major projects for a diverse range of organisations. Jennifer has been able to adapt and work in multiple industries for the past 20 years, working across commercial property, air, rail, banking, health, government and retail in different cultures and countries. Jennifer has been committed to encouraging diversity and career development within the property and construction industry. She has held roles with the Property Council of Australia, the Australian Institute of Project Management and most recently with National Association of Women in Construction. As an immediate past state president and current director on national board, including the advocacy committee, Jen is all about driving cultural change for all, awareness and increased female participation in the construction industry. She also works with her rugby club and launched the Women's Strategic Plan in 2019 and then went on to deliver in 2020 the first club women's elite development program. Jen currently holds advisory roles for Queensland Rugby Union. Welcome to the Building Doors podcast, Jen. You have had such an interesting career spanning so many different industries. You've been able to adapt to different countries and cultures and different sectors, but you've also been able to drive so much change in the diversity space, which clearly is a passion of yours. Give us a bit of an overview of your backstory and some of the most significant moments that led you to where you are today. Thank you for the lovely intro and (laughs) welcome. It really highlights what a bit of a journey it's been. And I would say that I'm probably atypical of my vintage in how I came into the industry. And so out of university with a applied science human movement study degree, at that time, it was the first actual degree in that. And there was only 20 of us. Now there's a million every year (laughs) and very hard to get jobs. So I picked up a business degree. And then like every other Antipodean, I went overseas to London. And in getting a contract, this was about 2001. And the week I went to travel was the week of September 11. And so that was a group of my rugby mates, my teammates, we were all going to do this. We just graduated. We we're all going to go over and then this happened. All our parents were freaking out, <laughs> obviously concerned, but you couldn't stop us. Yeah. We're all, you know, early 20s, we're going for it. And our first stop was Bali, who was to know later. So we're in UK and my last contract was with the British Airport Authority in their Capital Works Program mm-hmm. at Heathrow. Mm-hmm. And that was my introduction into construction. It was the Terminal 3 wow. was being constructed. Yep. And that, that's an indication of how long ago. 
And then a few years later, I come back, back home and that was it. I come back to, you know, capital works teams and I start my project management career. So it's a few years of project managing just as a junior, like on the ground. I had no real qualifications other than piggybacking off a senior, doing the rounds of commercial and retail fit out for Suncorp. Mm -hmm. And then I grab an opportunity as I head towards PM senior-ish with Bankwest and head over there as their capital works manager. And then the global financial crisis happens and Combank buys out Bankwest. So it was a great sort of exposure over there, living over in the West, and then coming back eventually with a consulting firm who flew me back and and then getting into the consultancy world in Brisbane. Mm. And that was with Savile's project management. And that's where I delved into consultancy world at a, a larger rate with exposure to air, rail, heavy commercial, heavy retail, and also exposure to round-the-clock working. Mm. And the interplay of how a woman would fit in in the world. The big turning point for me was 2014, 2015, mm-hmm. when I was, I think I was about a about 170 or 180% resourced and clients were expecting me through the week, the same place across, I'd say, Cairns, Gladstone, Brisbane, on the same day, at the same time. And that was sort of what I would call the career breakdown that had to happen Mm. and the turning point for me to really look at myself and where I'm going, what I'm doing Mm -hmm. and how I could control or not control Mm. the situation, loving what I do, but is that what I want to really do? And how can I progress if I'm going to be in this situation forever? So um, I actually had time off. I came back knowing uh, I even spent 500 bucks seeing a career counsellor mm. who gave me a questionnaire. This was the most intense questionnaire you've ever seen in your <laughs> life. And for 500 bucks, I found out that I should have been a project manager the whole time. Uh, so <laughs> Good 500 bucks. Well, well spent, spent. money. Uh, so I came back knowing that that was where I was meant to be, but to control the situation more, I went out and I went and got the projects I wanted Mm -hmm. and put myself into those, like I just hunted Queensland Rail opportunity. Mm -hmm. You know how you could, so there's always BD as part of your consultancy world. So I went out and hunted for that and I got it and, and I wanted to deliver rail. So I did. With that, I remember clearly one day looking down the, you know, the massive Queensland Rail offices, four o'clock, and I was looking left, looking right. <laughs> I was the only one on the floor. Wow. So, I, and I had another 12 months of this, you know, contract as a consultant and I thought, holy smokes, either I'm the idiot here <laughs> or they are. And that was a, a work-life balance moment for me. Mm. And within 12 months, at the same time back at the office, there was quite a few redundancies mm. and I was the only woman on the floor if I was to be in the office. And I, uh, within that 12 months, I clearly had time if I was nine to four looking down the offices to 
actively reach out to the CEO of the time, Paul McLean, mm-hmm. and ask if he'd be my mentor. And he agreed. Mm-hmm. And also, you know, within six months of, you know, having a few catch-ups with him, I was promoted, mm-hmm. uh, which I'd been banging my head against the wall for about two years, promoted, put into a, a industry committee, mm-hmm. another property council, and on my way, you know, delivering projects with client satisfaction. So really enjoying that. And then he said, give me your, your five-year plan. What? <laughs> Why at 35 had I only thought about doing a five-year plan? Yeah. And it was not only work but life. So mm. I did my little Gantt chart as, you know, we all like to do, don't yep. we, right? Yep. <laughs> uh, and what does that look like? And so planned it out. And so he knew. So if he was talking to someone, I've got the person for you mm. or whatever it might be, I often say to people coming into the industry, be careful for what you wish for or put down, it may happen. Mm. You just got to show you're delivering, et cetera. And, and so I was able to, within that sort of literally 12 months, mm. also do some personal stuff, which I had neglected mm. for the past five years. So that included like formally certifying myself as a PM, like that's intense PM and study time. And also I auditioned for a, a professional choir, which I'd, I'd never done before. I'd always been an amateur and sung around Australia, ended up singing around Australia. I did my photography exhibition. Yes. Yes, which you- I did attend. I think you it saw the opening night. Yes. I made sure there was champagne <laughs> there. It was delicious, yes. Yeah. And it also gave me time to stop and think about- the next five years. Mm. And I I was 38, 39, Mm -hmm. so I had time to think about because my brain had caught up with itself. Mm. So the decision-making, when you're in the thick of 170 and 180% resourcing Mm. and delivering projects, your brain is not working at peak. And I learned that. Mm. And so in this time to reflect and time for my brain to catch up. It's a, it's a physiological mm. thing. I was able to do this planning, give myself some balance, mm. and also look towards the future. Mm. And clear values for me are family. Mm. And I started the process of creating my own family. Oh, it's beautiful. Yeah. So I did. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. So I had the time to do that. Yeah. And that's, yeah. and if you, if you make decisions on the values, you can't go wrong. No. And if you're crying about it, it's correct. Yes, absolutely. You just think back on that. You're giving me goosebumps, right? Imagine if you just kept working at 170 or 180%, what would you have missed? Yeah, exactly. So I, I love telling that story because every woman goes through this decision process. Mm. If, and, it, and it's not just construction. It's any industry and we have this big expectation of work, career, balancing it all. Yep. You know. Yep. How do you make it happen? Mm. So you've got to give yourself time mm. and you've got to be realistic about the balance 
to make clear decisions, mm. being an expert in your field is giving your brain time to be that expert. Yeah. And it, I love what you said around being in that reactive space because the industry at the moment is pretty much around mm. the busiest it's ever been. Yeah. So what you're saying right now is going to resonate with so many people that might mm. be at that same stage in their life right now and kind of going, hey, you know. Actually, oh, I need another tissue, girl. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, yeah, just leave that there. Just leave it. counselling session. Thanks, Things may get emotional, so it's best. We'll, yeah, yes. we'll, we'll, we'll keep the tissues there. Sorry, just needed a tissue break. We're getting getting, getting deep. And I never, I will never ever apologise for being emotive on no. my own values. And I've had this discussion about with my younger industry people, do not ever worry about being emotive. I've, I've cried in my CEO's office. Mm. I no, won't apologise for it. No, and I don't think you should. And I like what you said. If, if you're being emotional, then it's real, right? It's, but it's, it's in your core. And you gave me goosebumps talking about that because it's just so many people go through that, that stage of their life where their career is going gung-ho down and, and, you know, you do have to make a five-year plan. It isn't always just apparent and clear, you know, mm. because I think people forget that is a big decision and that is, is a difficult time in your life as well. Probably the best and worst thing that happened to the industry was the pandemic, which was a, a full reassess on your work-life balance. But the ability to work from home has shifted it more for the, the males, potentially I stress it a bit more for the females, but that shift is in, has been important. Mm. It's sort of like the the good and bad of the pandemic. I want to go to something that you said, which really resonated with me when you were talking through your background, and you use the word hunt. You know, you hunted for opportunities. So this podcast, obviously, is all around building doors, and that's yeah. something that. You are, you're a hunter, you know. You didn't just wait for it to happen. Everything that led you to even having your family, mm. you hunted. You knew you wanted that mentor. You knew you wanted to deal with Queensland Rail. So if you were to give advice around to somebody else wanting to build a door or create an opportunity, how does someone hunt that out? Like how do you get that mindset, Jen? There's other sort of uh, prompters that link to this part, which is, in having that career breakdown, mm. I knew that the only person that was going to affect my career really, if, even if you're looking at knocking on glass ceilings or glass walls, sorry, glass floors now, <laughs> there's glass floors now. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> That's new. Some young people are like, no, I'm staying here. I'm staying down here on the floor and not bothering about the ceiling. Right. It is yourself mm. that is the barrier to whatever you so desire. And in, in creating a plan, even just physically writing it down or saying out loud is in the back of your mind always to create that. And literally you end up hunting it down, mm. even if you're subconsciously doing it. Yeah, because you're putting yeah. that out there to yourself yeah. and you're putting pen to paper and committing. and. If in weighing up where you are, it's always a where you are at work. Mm. How can I make the most of this? Like you should really give the workplace all it's got 
And if you come to a point where you go, you know what, I've really tried hard here to make the best out of my career, you know, whether you're, you know, trying to get promotions mm. or the like, and if it hasn't happened then, you know, within, a, you know, four or five years, then it's time to probably move on. Mm. But what can you do within that time period yourself mm. to actually shift it? Like I had to get to the bottom to want to get out of it. Yeah. So do I want to be just absolutely miserable? Yeah. What can I do? So it's either that or see the other opportunities within the existing workspace, like people you may want to work with within your existing work structure. Hey, what do you got coming up? Can you think of me at the next one? Yes. Just see it. I like how that person works. Get in their ear. Yeah. Be courageous about it from the sounds of it because too many people would think, oh, I'd love to be, and they're waiting. They're waiting for someone to come and approach them or give them the opportunity. But Bypass. Yeah. Bypass. It's the same in sport. So- Obviously, family is a huge thing for Mm. you. It definitely touched a nerve when you were talking about that journey for you. Mm. And I'm really interested because another part of the journey is, you know, when you've got a career and when you you have a family. So there's that first part, deciding to have a family. What about when it's time to balance it all, you know, and and, and you have, you know, you're going back to work and you're you're balancing and and we've all seen, you know, people trying to do breastfeeding in the boardroom or trying whatever Mm. whatever they need to do. Are there some learnings you've had coming back into the workforce as well or being in the workforce after having kids? Like, What are some of the lessons you gain there? Because it sounds like you gained so much from that career breakdown moment too. Mm. But what about the next stage? Well, having kids will, like you point out, ground you. Mm. And in the construction industry, we're not brain surgeons saving lives. No. <laughs> no. And the flexibility that we are afforded now gives no excuses in regards to managing your day Mm -hmm. and setting those boundaries. Mm. So I am lucky that I have family to support. If there is a significant, you know, BD event, Mm -hmm. networking event, Mm -hmm. I will prepare and go, mum, dad, sister, brother, can you look after Flory? Yep try and do it in advance. Yeah. Yeah. So it's a lot of planning, but most of the time my day will include going home as as soon as I can and then working later. Yeah. Yeah. Can that relate. suits me. Yeah. And that's okay with me. And I think the 8.30, 9 a.m. start, if I'm having a really crappy day getting out the door, <laughs> Is A okay? Yeah. Because some days you're out the door at seven and you can't even believe it. (laughs) What just happened? What? (laughs) Uh, Sometimes I'm on the train going, what just happened? Randomly, I was just reminiscing with one of my mentors that went bloody to Melbourne and left me, Renee Peters. She's with Monash University. But she was, um, I'd say, one of the first one of the first board members at Queensland Rail. Amazing. And so I was there when she was there working. So I'd catch up. And one of the 
like random lovely tips as a mother because I was, you know, expressing myself in the disabled toilets. Vocally, right? Yep. Yeah. <laughs> yeah okay, carry no, on. Physically. <laughs> yeah. Was get the smallest, always get by the smallest bottle of milk so as soon as their dexterity is good enough, they can pour their own cereal, milk onto the cereal. Oh, that's clever. To get out the door quicker. And that independence. Like just little, yeah. little bits that women share amongst themselves to get out the door quicker, should be shared more often. Yeah, so little things just getting out the door and as a project manager, basically managing my weekly calendar is key. Mm, It would be, especially when you need to rely on family. You know, if you're relying on family to be there events, you have to have that full full plan that you know that you need someone for that. that. Yeah, and... I think the um, before and after school care is the only thing that keeps my career going mm-hmm. and also doesn't make my family feel obliged to have that, oh, it's, you know, a pick-up every day. No, mm. they still can live a life. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And pick her up if it suits them. So that service mm. is key. And in week advocacy, part of the key items is actually childcare and making that more accessible, especially mm-hmm. for tradies who start earlier. And the daycare is not open. That so this is no, a huge is thing. Yeah, yeah, this is a huge barrier, and it, this is some that something that people have been talking about. You know, if yeah. the, if the childcare is not there, you know, you're starting on site before. There's no way. You, how do you do it? How yeah. do you manage it? It's it's uh, and vacation care, obviously. So those services are the only way I can actually perform my role. One thing you touched on there as well, which I think is really interesting, is mentors. So it sounds like from you've mentioned it a couple of times and even when we spoke outside of the the podcast, you've spoken about mentors before. So really keen to understand and dig deep, (laughs) Jen. Dig deep. I love to dig deep. Tell us a bit about, because I think mentors is just, it's something that, yes, people talk about, but it's so valuable because you can, they leave imprint in your mind, Mm. right? The conversations you've had or lessons you've learned. And that's why taking the opportunity to mentor someone or be mentored is one of the most powerful things you can do in your career. Mm. Tell us about some of the legacies that, that your mentors have left with you. Lauren, there's a clear distinction between mentors and advocates. Oh, tell. So I'd have a lot of within industry mentors or workmates that I would regularly catch up with Mm -hmm. to bounce off things that are happening, share the joys of life, Mm. et cetera. But then there's that next level of mentoring Mm -hmm. and that's the most efficient value in mentoring is an actual person that has more experience than you. Yeah. And seeking out somebody that you admire. Mm. And you can see that they've done Mm. the big yards, the hard yards, and have influence. So that's when I sought out Paul Mm McLean. So I incidentally was a big rugby fan as well (laughs) of Paul because we're from the same rugby club. So in understanding their journeys, you can learn from their journeys. Mm. And you can pick up small things like Paul was the first one to say, Jen, give us your five-year plan. A what? Yeah. Seriously, come on, Jennifer, pull your socks up. Mm. How did I not do that earlier? Yeah. 
how did I not? That's just like really simple stuff. And it was through Paul that knowing that I was an idiot, he could, uh, and I was performing at work, that he could recommend me for industry stuff and didn't feel like he would be let down or look like a fool. Mm. So if you are seeking a a mentor, Mm. go for the top. Yeah, aim high. I love that. I love that. And I think I think people don't seek out mentors enough. I think people are waiting for somebody to select them or yeah. they may want to have that conversation and be courageous and, and, and do it, but they they put it off or they don't do it. And it's a very reactive industry construction as well. There's always so much going on as you know, it takes time and and a thought process to actually s- step back and go, what is my five-year plan? Yeah. You know, and the fact that you're in your 30s when you establish that tells you how busy you were working, mm. what, 170, 180% and not having the time. And I think women in there are within the career, probably around your 30s to mid-30s is when you're going, is this it for me? Mm. And you may be stagnant, you may be hitting that virtual glass ceiling mm. and you just need that little bit lift up. Mm. Everyone especially within your field of recruitment, that you know that that females typically are the worst at putting themselves forward. And I do have to note that if anybody wants a tactic to actually getting a CEO, um, I went via the EA. (laughs) Yes. So, for example, on a commercial building, you know to speak to the security guard Mm. to have everything go smooth. So the gatekeeper to the person you want is who you should be going through. Two other people that were influential, and that's Josephine Sukkar, and I'll show you some. I've got some oh yes, we've got props. Yes, where's my for prop? those that are that are listening that can't yeah. see it. Jen has a little pencil case here with this awesome prop. I love that. So Josephine and I go to many rugby functions and also construction ones. Yeah, and there's few and far between of females in construction that are also rugby uh, lovers. So we were sitting at a function one day and I said, oh, where am I going? What am I doing? Oh, <laughs> not, not as intense like that because I'm like a professional. Yeah, yeah. Okay. It's totally a professional. Totally. And she just did this graph for me. What's your end game? And this reverts back to that same principle. All these people with tenure have plans. They know their end game. Mm. And we all know that there's the ups and the downs and the twists and the turns. But if you know your end game, you you won't deviate. You only slightly deviate, but you know where you're going. Do you use this as your compass when you make decisions? You know, sometimes you'll have an opportunity or a path that you're going to go down. Do you go back to this and go, what's my end game? No, no, I'll just be reminded. Yeah. I'll be sifting through desperately going, where's my goddamn go card? Where is it? Where is it? Where is it? And then I come across this and go, oh yeah, that's right. Remember you. Well, you know, I'm going to ask you. Yeah. (laughs) What is like long-term your end game? Well, similar to my business plan and you can't go wrong with your business plan aligning to your personal plan, Mm. which is building Queensland. And building Queensland. What is it that inspires you about that vision? Brisbane is my hometown Mm -hmm. and it's on a trajectory of potential awesomeness. And I say potential 
because in the ups and downs of things, and we've got a few ups and downs of uh, resourcing, skilled people, uh, supply, procurement to deliver the projects Mm -hmm. in time for, yes, the Olympics are there, but there's uh, what is the city after the Olympics? If, If we could please everyone look a little bit beyond 2032, Brisbane can still be the most amazing city. Mm. And I love the thought of the tangible outcome that project managers have, which Mm. is building something and building something that is beneficial for the community. Yeah. Improves it. Yeah. And you, the citizen, has fun in that city. And want to live there. Yeah. If I look at you holistically, there's passions that come through, right? You know, you, you, you clearly love the building industry. You love your rugby. You love diversity. So I've always liked that about you. You, you, you live your life with passion, right? You're fueled by things that, you know, inspire you. So I've heard why, why building inspires you, but another one I'm really interested in is diversity because mm. obviously it's been such a big part, you know, with rugby, with what made you pursue that? I mean, obviously, we, we all know while it's good for businesses to have a diverse team and things like that, but you've gone that step further in wanting to to make it um, more diverse in your in your rugby team, making it more diverse at work. Yeah, what drove you for that? Similar to family, you can't grow. Well, for me, that's one of my values, uh, family, and it creates an emotive uh, response. So you can't go wrong if you're you're sticking to your values. And the other one is equality. I come from a very large family and I've given the analogy before in one of my uh, many Narwick speeches because that is one of the questions that comes up. So imagine a big Irish Catholic family and it's birth somebody's birthday and you are all around that table and you're watching mum cut that cake up. And if that cake is not cut up equal, (laughs) you're pissed. Oh, yeah. (laughs) And that's baseline and that gets my shackles up. And in any distribution of uh, within the family and extended family because, you know, uh, in Irish Catholic we know down to our third cousins, big families you have to all pull together. Mm-hmm. And if I didn't see equality in those tasks and chores, shackles up. <laughs> That's an emotive response. Mm. So when I see an inequality in anything, mm. I instantly. <laughs> <laughs> Did you get that recorded, Gil? <laughs> I think it came through. Yeah, so birthday cake analogy. Yes. Equal portions. Perfect. Because how often I've got a son and a daughter and there is no damn way that I'm giving, getting away with giving more cake to one and not the other. There would be mutiny. We all know that. That's just what happens. Yeah. You know, you're at home for up to 18 or, or unlike, not unlike myself, returning at home at 46 with the floods. Thank you very much, <laughs> uh, floods. Thanks, um, Brisbane. But always you're influenced by your family mm. for a very, you know, significant period of your life. So cake's it, mate. 
I'm definitely going to talk more about the floods because you coming back home uh, to your family and when we've chatted about juggling, you know, you're you're quite a big job, right, with um, needing that time to reflect and things like that. So tell us about what that journey has been like for you since the floods. Uh, Like everyone else, it's been hell. My resume would probably suggest that I'm a chameleon with change, like I'm okay with change. Yeah. I'm actually not very good with change. Right. So I really struggle with change mm. and my daily routine. Mm. So it's been upside down. Mm. So this has been a really good challenge for me mm. in resilience, in like an absolute 180 on my mm. thought process on what do you do every day to get into the zone, man? I have literally no routine and trying to make a routine mm-hmm. in a house that's not mine. Yes. So it's been, uh, can I uh, do the the golden job that I've always strived for with Essence, you know, finally, awesome job, you know, step up, punch it out. Super excited. I, you know, I was, you know, I had my little office refurb ready to go and punch it out and the whiteboard. I was going, yeah, and ah, yeah, yeah, I'm in the zone. I'm in the zone, man. And then Vumpa. So are those daily routines actually required? And how flexible am I mm. to keep achieving or delivering in any situation, mm. which could be any project, couldn't it? Absolutely. And and you've always had that five-year plan for your, sorry, Gil, I just snapped the thing with my. Pushing the buttons. Pushing, I'm pushing the, his buttons. So you've always had the the five-year plan with home and then the five-year plan, you know, obviously with work, which you, you talked about that you came up with in your 30s. I don't think a flood was in that plan or something no. that you would have even predicted. And so with a change to your daily routine, with all, with all of that change, how do you still manage to get it all done? What did you learn from it? You said resilience, but how did you adapt to not having that routine? Oh, I'm still pretty shitty about it all. <laughs> okay. Um, there is a point where you need to actually like just, you know, have a good sulk. Yep. 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 Like just acknowledge that that's shit. Just say it's a shitty situation. This is shit. Yeah. And stop the bravado. Yeah. And uh, and it was a bit more um, regular <laughs> mm. those days, but it slowly whittled down to maybe once a week. Mm. Yeah. So it's um, family and friends. Mm. And Super lucky. Yeah. Super lucky. You sound like you've got a really good support network around you. This is how you're going to do most things. It's what most people refer to the circle of influence mm-hmm. and there's studies up the gazoo bar. Like even the basic weight control, if you have overweight friends, you're going to be overweight. Mm. And I replicate that with Narwick. Narwick circle of influence is inspiring, high-achieving, excellent welcoming, Mm. you know, sharing community of people. And when you're in that circle, you can't not be drifted along with that. Mm. And that's what I hope to create with the Essence PM team. 
I love that. One thing that's always come through with you is an, what I call an abundance mindset. So it's like, you know, when we're talking about the cake and you were saying you want equal parts of the cake, it's also about recognizing there's enough cake for everyone. Mm. So if one woman's doing really well and you want some cake as well, there is enough cake for you. There's mm. enough cake for all of us. And I think Narwick is one of those organizations that encourages us to have all of the cake. Yeah. Probably, you know, a reasonable amount of cake. We don't want to be eating too much cake because it's not good for our health. I- I'm sure it's gluten-free <laughs> and everything free. <laughs> yeah. So I think that's a, a really important factor in regards to um, the shifting times and tides of the construction industry and um, supporting you along that journey up and down mm. because it is ebbs and tides of the industry. Mm. Um, I've been through three redundancy processes. In my yeah, so many years, and that's just the industry. And are you resilient to that? Mm. And within your circle of influence, are you going to be with the negative Nellies? Are you going to be with the positive people? And yeah. you get through it. One of the things that has come up multiple times you've talked about as well, and I can tell it drives you is your values. So share with us what they are. What are your core values? In that career bump that I had to have. Mm-hmm. It's a good time to reflect. Like I, when you get to your thirties, you're in your twenties. You're you're not thinking about that stuff. You're not. You're not. <laughs> you're not at all. So it was a perfect timing for me to actually reflect and write it down. Start googling little processes. There's a million gazillion uh, help books, and you know, write out my values, find them. It's a process that everyone should go through if they haven't already known intrinsically what it is. But like I said, you can instantly know them Mm. if you react, react emotively to something. And that's an instant, you don't don't have to spend the $500. Yeah, we know family's one for you because that got you right there as well. Yeah, Yeah. so uh, family and, and equity. Equity, yeah. They're the two that keep coming up. Family and equity. And I see that coming through. You've got your values there and then you, you've, you've been in the industry um, for a period of time and you, you want to be a part of building uh, Queensland. What do you hope has changed in the industry by the time you retire? Have you thought about what changes you would love to see? Uh, yeah, obviously. Um, I often would question back, wouldn't it be great just imagine this, if we didn't spend the millions of dollars in programs of diversity inclusion, and it just was, Mm -hmm. and we put that money into innovation, Mm. uh, as an example. So I would hope that we would be in a, a position of, not that NARWIC was not needed, as an example, uh, because it is a network in itself, yeah. you still need your circle of influence of yeah. uh, like-minded people, mm. which is lovely. But the amount of time and energy put into DNI by volunteers is ridiculous. Mm. Let's shift it onto something like innovation. Mm. Uh, or something that uh, would improve the uh, industry 
so that uh, the culture is uh, welcoming, mm. uh, that we all want to be in construction, mm. property in construction, to because we know that it's improving the community and that you're not going to be bullied the whole way along. And I do want to note that most work circumstances do have politics and bullying in them, but there's definite levels of politics and negative culture within the construction industry that is over and above Mm. what other industries have. So I would want that shift and money well spent Mm. elsewhere. And what are your thoughts around, so making that shift, and, and you talked about the industry and we've talked about the changes since COVID, one of the things that's that, that keeps coming up again and again, and I had to talk to you about it, is flexibility in the industry. Things like, you know, you've got trades with needing access to daycare and it's and the, the daycare centres aren't open. And I'm personally seeing, you know, I've seen a lot of people exit the industry. Mm. I saw a project manager of 10 years, you know, just walk out on the job because his daughter was unwell. He, he couldn't get the flexibility. What are your thoughts around what that looks like moving forward as well? This is a, a, a big issue, which is stemming from a cultural, this is the way we've always done it type of uh, mm. scenario, mm. which needs top-down change mm. from uh, the big companies. Mm. And that's uh, consultant side, construction side, like the D and the C mm. of those contracts, and also government. So they have to lead with the policy change, yep. procurement change at their end, and lead by example that it can be done. Yeah. And that's federal and state. And I'm hearing the same thing because contractors are going, if it's in our contract that this role has to be here this many days a week, that is really prohibitive for us making it flexible. And if it is coming from the government, it is coming from the client, that allows us to flow that down and keep people in the industry because it is a great industry. It is. It's a great industry because we have lovely, tangible outcomes that we know are improving the community. That's a good feeling. Mm. You're, you know, everybody wants to have value, be able to say that they've given back. Mm. in some capacity and rewarded for it. Mm -hmm. You can have policy changes, uh, legal changes to start the process, Mm. but the private end of the world can start now. Absolutely. Yeah. There was the recent Robertson Co. five-day-a-week as an example. We've just shown you it can be done. Yep. There's, you know, the Narwick Exemplar Project. Mm. Um, We've just shown you it can be done. More than 50% of women on site, it's okay. But the to make it actually physically happen, there's those cultural things around the outskirts like childcare, mm-hmm. the procurement process, mm. the office politics, the culture within the office mm. so that as you are making these changes, mm. it's an open environment that, that allows the change to happen. Mm. And I think it's good that you acknowledge there's so many layers of it. You know, there's so many layers and and barriers that need to be thought of, like the childcare and the working environment that people want to go into. And that is an encouraging, welcoming um, environment. It's hard, I understand, but calling out behaviour is part of the process as well. 
Absolutely. Which is um, obviously the hard part. It's tricky to be able to see, you know, if, if someone's your manager and they're saying something that you don't agree with, it's, it takes a courageous conversation to be able to call it out. But you're right, that's what needs to happen. It needs to be people in a room going, no longer, that's not, that's not acceptable and I'm going to call it out. And if you find yourself in those situations or in those uh, workspaces where uh, you potentially have called it out, you've given it a nudge, you know, you've given three years of your life, working life there, and you feel there has been no change to that situation or that culture, there's two ways to look at it, which is that the leadership doesn't always stay there, that there is also turnover Mm. in the uh, leadership, mm-hmm. if it is actually stemming from that, which it likely is, mm. can you hold out for a little bit longer and still uh, voice mm. those, you know, get with the program type mm. of scenarios or shift out, do your exit statement, tell the people, this mm. is why I'm leaving. Mm. This is your culture. Yeah. I've tried to change it. I've highlighted it, etc. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome insights, Jen. Awesome, awesome. And and I've loved personally just learning more about you in terms of, you know, from a holistic perspective, there's one more thing. Do I have time, Gil, to touch on one more thing before the rocket round? I think I do. Just want to talk to you quickly about rugby. Where do we start? Did you say quick? Really quick. In essence, your work that you've done there. In essence, pardon the pun, thank you. Did you like what I did there? Thank you, thank you. So the work, the program that you did there that we mentioned at the start, tell me a bit bit more about it. Well, the majority of work is within the state program. So always, I'm always for my club, do whatever I can as a a female senior player, but within the state There's a women's uh, strategy and network Mm -hmm. to promote the game Mm -hmm. and a better network and culture for the female players and grassroots for that so that there is a – and better games to suit those players coming up. Number one, create a pathway that makes sense. And on the other side of that, the elite players, Mm. we would like to see them paid. Awesome. I just, I had to. I knew we were running out of time, but I had to touch on it because <laughs> I, I, I knew it was amazing work. Okay, let's do the rocket round. Rocket Ooh. round. Are you ready? Okay. Probably not. <laughs> Promise. It's not scary and, and we've got tissues. Um, <laughs> Favourite book? I've had a bit of a think of this. Uh, I think I still keep coming back to Mark Twain's Joan of Arc. Oh, yeah. okay. Awesome. He's obviously known for his um, Huckleberry Finn and, mm. you know, his uh, lovely stories like that. But this was his labour of love that he researched for over 10 years and it was one of his prime joys. And it, it's, uh, uh, you know, Joan of Arc obviously is an awesome mm. leader and the story behind it, he just gave it that Mark Twain twist that was really engaging anyway. Love right. a good historical novel. I'm novel. Go- no, oh, I'm going to have to read that one. Holiday Destination. Obviously, my daughter's name's Florence, so we're going to go to Florence. Ah, awesome. Yep, makes sense. Cats or dogs? Dogs. Dogs. Awesome. (laughs) Oh, coffee or wine? Both. (laughs) I I just knew you wouldn't be able to choose that one. You're like, what kind of question? Hello. (laughs) Oh, white Christmas or summer Christmas? Um, I'm a Queenslander, summer. Yep. Okay. And... What podcast are you listening to right now? The most recent one I have, 
listened to, which Alia Koda from, you know, Alia from yes. our Narwick circle. Yep. She uh, suggested to me, which is a really good one, by Alex Hamozi, the $100 million offer and the catchphrase, which I love, is how to make offers so good people feel stupid saying no. Oh, that is good. Okay, mm. I'm going to have to listen to mm. that one. Yep. Yeah. And what makes you feel like you're at home? I was just talking about this on the weekend with uh, a very good friend of mine who I love dearly, and it's people. Mm. Because I've worked around, you know, the the nation, overseas, doesn't matter where you are, people. Mm. Yeah. I love it's that. not a, a physical abode. It's always a it's always people, people that the are connection. Home. Yeah. 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 Thank you, Jen, so much for coming on the podcast. I have loved chatting with you and I really appreciate, uh, I I know so many listeners are going to get so much value out of this. If they want to learn more about you or support you, what's another way that they can do that? If they want to give you some love for being on the podcast, you know, should they follow you on LinkedIn? Are there things that they can do to support you, Jen? Yeah, there's uh, obviously LinkedIn. I think I'm Jennifer Gallette there, not Jen Gallette. Uh, No, I know Jennifer. Yep. Facebook would probably be Jen and, yeah, lots of LinkedIn, reach out, easy enough, and that can be uh, for rugby, Narwick and Essence Project Management if you want to be a part of an awesome consulting firm. Yes. That doesn't run you into the ground. Amazing, amazing. And I'm sure with you as a leader. building Queensland. (laughs) I'm all right. I know that uh, young people don't actually say that anymore, but it's what the young people say, isn't it? Yeah. Hashtag. Hashtag building Queensland. Yeah. 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 Hashtag place to work. Yeah. (laughs) Hashtag employer of choice. Okay, I'll stop with the hashtags. Too much. Thanks, Jen. Thanks, Laura. And can't wait to get some feedback from people. Yep, high five. We're doing it. Thanks for listening to Building Doors. If you've got comments or questions, send them to hello at buildingdoors.com.au. And remember to subscribe, rate and review. See you next time.